Hi, my name is Igor Lis, and welcome to the second State of the World podcast. We have created State of the World with Maxime Mathias, Oliver Thompson, and Fleury Parmassage to get access to insights, ideas, and thoughts from leaders of knowledge from all over the world, from the domains of politics, economy, society, and culture. Today, we're hosting Glenn Kim, one of the biggest experts out there on how to manage a governmental financial crisis. He was working for 20 years at Lehman Brothers. He was advising Greece during the Greek crisis in 2015, Iceland and other countries on questions of financial management. Today, we will discuss what is the state of the world and the world's economy in this corona environment. Hello, Glenn, and thank you for being with us today. Good morning. Thank you. So I'm just going to go straight to the point. What do you think is the state of the world today? You know, the project State of the World is uh, built on trying to get insight from thought leaders. And you, with your experience of advising huge companies and governments in their crisis, difficult times, uh, it's particularly interesting for us to know what's your take on the state of the world. Right. Well, thank you very much, Igor. Um, state of the world. I mean, obviously, um, you know, everyone is aware of this pandemic that has affected the vast majority um, of societies and cultures throughout uh, throughout the globe. I mean, it's extraordinary to me to think that uh, in this time, uh, in this day and age, a little agnostic virus um, emerging from um, somewhere in China, for example, would have had the impact that it does now because we have a uh, an environment where uh, all of us have experienced a synchronized global shutdown of our uh, economic uh, well-being. And that is something we haven't actually seen at any other point uh, in recent memory. And that outcome of how different nation states are addressing uh, this virus um, is going to shape in many ways how we look at the world going forward. And if we were to define the stages as we're um, increasingly, we, were, we have been in the last several months in a uh, health crisis, well, which I'll come to, and that has migrated uh, now increasingly into something, let's call it an economic crisis, it will potentially morph into subsequently an assessment crisis. And this, is, and this is what I would say of the three. The health crisis is clearly one evidence based, uh, is based purely on the fact that, um, as, as has been known, this is a novel virus. So uh, folks are, um, we're confronting something that we don't actually know a great deal about. And as a result, uh, the responses from different um, uh, government officials, for example, um, have varied, whether it is a, let's call it a hard lockdown scenario that we've seen in certain countries to an experiment to uh, herd immunity in another. Um, we're, we're grappling with this, with this um, virus and how we respond to it. And all in the context of the state of play of our own individual healthcare systems. The second is when we think about the economic uh, impact of uh, this virus, where whereupon huge swaths of society um, are made, if you will, uh, or incapacitated from their their ability to uh, to be economic um, uh, contributors. 
you're finding that the costs that various governments are with are um, prepared to undertake uh, is breathtaking. I mean, the numbers are vast uh, in the trillions. And in fact, numerically, a significant percentage of GDP. In fact, you could think about it as um, in certain countries, the governments are essentially bankrolling all the cash flows of a nation um, for a period of time. And this is all in order to preserve um, the economic potential of the country when this lockdown um, is rolled back. And in the third, uh, as far as an assessment, at some point there will be, uh, and I think that's coming soon, there'll be an assessment of, so how much did this cost? You know, how much uh, was the economic damage um, caused by this virus by way of the actions taken? That is two things. One, um, how many people obviously have become um, ill? Uh, how many people have perished? Uh, how much in the way of strain has the uh, individual healthcare systems undertaken? And of course, how much in the way of uh, fiscal response um, has your particular country um, uh, provided uh, in, uh, 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 to combat this virus? And when you look at that, um, the I liken it to being uh, a very complex motor, which is very easy to turn off. It's just a flick of a, a key uh, in, by way of imposing a lockdown. But reviving a, uh, an economy is a much more complicated um, affair. And it will have its fits and starts. It will be unlike its mirror image of turning off an economy. Um, people will not just immediately go back to work and, and resume life as it was, um, let's say, uh, late last year. And in that will be the kind of slow, if you will, recovery, whether it's called uh, V-shape or, or, or double W-shape or U or whatever the alphabet people are using. Um, They're talking will, about the swoosh now, you know, like uh, the Nike logo. Uh, you know, like the in, in all cases, it will be um, unknown and difficult uh, for many. There will be certain sectors that will have lost, uh, will have had a permanent loss of uh, economic productivity. And, you know, we will all, in all likelihood, be in a recession, hopefully not prolonged, but recessions are often difficult to, to navigate for anyone. And here we have a global recession. And that global recession has, um, if you will, displayed in full detail the interconnectedness of different countries to each other in supply chains um, uh, throughout the world. And in a way, it also shows what how dependent um, our chains are on each other. That is, in the pursuit of efficiency, uh, that is to provide the best possible product at the lowest possible price, um, what has emerged is perfect chains that work perfectly so long as um, the environment is stable. But unlike nature, which doesn't have perfect chains like this, it, it, nature tends to work with redundancies. Uh, and thank God we do have redundancies. Um, we're finding out that, uh, and I think people's uh, government governmental responses um, will underscore that redundancies are actually not a bad thing. I mean, and how 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 is this manifested? Um, you'll find companies increasingly asking whether they should have backup plans. I mean, backup plans is a redundancy. 
um, and it costs a little bit more to have backup plans, uh, but in, it ensures continuity. Here, in when you see that when backup plans are uh, not in existence, or let's say that they're not sufficient number of plan Bs or Cs, um, in certain industries or certain sectors of economy, that can be tragic. And I'm speaking of the healthcare industry, which also ran itself incredibly efficiently um, for many countries. But then as soon as you tip the balance, when you, they have their unexpected events, um, those, inefficiencies, those efficiencies are unmasked as being unable to handle whatever hasn't been, if you will, uh, calculated in advance. This has uh, shown itself here in the UK as the insufficiency of PPE or uh, the number of ICU beds or ventilators. Um, and I think that one of the responses post-crisis, uh, this is what I would describe my assessment period, will be a wholesale review of certain uh, sectors of the economy, which will probably get reformed and will there will be more attention paid. Certainly, the average citizen will expect uh, a better healthcare system to be in place for what could be another uh, uh, viral impact at some other later stage uh, down the track. And that's a good thing. Uh, and I think in many ways, it is part and parcel of uh, a wholesale review of pursuing in the pursuit of efficiencies in all components of life. Um, I think people will find that we'll probably go back a little bit to uh, prioritizing certain sectors that will have um, greater redundancy built in. And I think that that's one of, the, one of the features in the new landscape that we should expect and probably want to have um, going forward. So my overall assessment is that um, it'll be very unclear uh, the way forward. Um, pe people like, like society as a whole will creep forward um, uh, and cautiously. Um, governments, as you have seen, have, no, have not, if you will, coordinated any rollback of lockdown in any um, sort of coherent way. Everyone is pursuing it on their own um, based upon the circumstances that, prev uh, that prevail in their, own, in their own environments. And we'll see how the interconnectedness um, will work. I mean, as you know, the cliche goes that no system is as good as its, uh, is as its weakest link, and we will soon find out when the chain is being pulled, which uh, components of that chain are the weakest links. Um, but in all cases, I think that there will be uh, a reassessment of the level of preparedness um, for governments and their and their uh, institutions, such as healthcare, um, to meet the needs of the unexpected. And I think that's one of the areas that I think for all governments, whether it's in, um, in the advanced, natures, advanced nations or advancing or developing nations, we'll, we'll be reassessing going forward. Now speaking of the unexpected, I would say among the intellectuals today, if you go you know, because everybody's trying to uh, put his brick into the wall, you know, and it contributes somehow to the intellectual assessment of the situation. Uh, I would say that there are two, let's say, poles, we can say two schools of thought maybe between which the um, opinions navigate. One says that nothing is going to be as before, 
and everything's going to change from the way we live and the way we're governed, the way economy works, the way politics works. And the others say that nothing will actually change. And as soon as the vaccine is found, as soon as we have a good treatment, uh, we will just come back to normal and we'll forget it as we have forgotten any previous epidemics. Mm-hmm. Um, to which, which, which point of view is closer to, to you? Which, what's, what's your opinion on this uh, change? Because as you said, the uncertainty is very high, so we can only speculate, but what would you speculate on? I, I, to answer directly your question, I think it's both and neither. Uh, and I, what I, that I mean is the following. There will be a return uh, to some normalcy, but it will be, have a, we'll have a new normalcy, if you will. Um, this virus will have, uh, in many ways, um, is it, will, will have scarred many people. Uh, indirectly or indirectly. Uh, directly, if they've lost someone they know. Indirectly, if they have lost, let's say, their livelihood uh, as a function of it. Um, and if nothing else, I think it will take time for that wound to heal. But at the same time, there will be certain aspects of, I think, uh, our daily living, which ha- will certainly in advanced countries have changed. Uh, by that, I mean... If we look at the way we work, uh, for example, um, you know, for a great many who are um, office workers, um, more than three quarters will find that their ability to work from home um, has uh, enabled them to be functional. Uh, is it exactly the same? No, but the other, but on the other aspect, teleworking has become, for better for worse, and unexpectedly so. Um, has become the norm today. And people have actually had to, need to, uh, and wanted to embrace technology as a means uh, to continue to be a functional component of their company or their firm or their organization. And that, I think, will be one of the legacies that uh, come from this. So in that respect, that means that the what I would describe as if there were a stigma attached from teleworking uh, in the past, a lot of that, I think, has burned off. Um, so we could very well see an environment where uh, instead of nine to five going to uh, an office uh, five days a week, we could imagine uh, an environment where one or two days of the week uh, folks could work from home. Uh, that of course puts a strain and uh, organizationally to ensure that the benefits of working together as a group are uh, compressed into those days when people are together. But it would it is going to shape uh, a new way for people to interact. Uh, the the obviously the benefits are is it um, the, there's less travel. Um, people can work from further away. Um, people have more liberty and freedom to choose those hours during the course of the day that they wish to, uh, quote, work. Uh, it obviously imposes or requires people to have greater discipline uh, and organizational skills, but that, that's something that people can do. What it doesn't do is it doesn't replace the benefit of what I would describe as idiosyncratic um, meetings that get picked up uh, in a hallway at a water cooler, at a, um, a sidebar conversation. These are, of course, removed um, from that, that spontaneity, if you will, is lost uh, when you do not have uh, you know, person-to-person interaction. Uh, number two is you don't get the benefits of nonverbal communication. Um, although video 
chats have improved, it's never quite the same that when you're not with someone. So again, I think the world will have changed in the, in the sense of work, uh, certainly in uh, office laborers. I think that's one of the changes that, to answer your question, will be somewhat the same, but somehow changed as a result too. Uh, number two, I would say the way uh, we sh- uh, shop. Actually, let me come back to the first point. This could also have a very big impact on um, um, the the impact to re- uh, uh, to where people live. I mean, if you think about megacities, people often compromise uh, their uh, standards, if you will, um, in order to live in a city you know, for an X amount of uh, income, you are prepared to uh, take on a smaller uh, apartment uh, in a big city because of the benefits that it accrues to you because you have to get closer to work so that your nine to five, you can get your commute shorter. You have to do that five days of the week. Um, uh, And this keeps you close, you know, you're closer to your work environment. Um, Obviously, if you work from home, Two, two days of the week, that is somewhat less in the way of stress. Number two, uh, you'll also find one of the benefits of cities is, is the attraction of culture, uh, being able to go to a show, restaurants, and other um, elements post-work. But if there is fewer restaurants or there are fewer events, and I'm not saying that they will be eliminated entirely, but f- let's call fewer, the attractions of a city by way, by comparison to being, let's say, in a suburb, um, becomes less obvious, right? Um, People can afford more if they're further out, and if they travel less often, um, they might compromise. Uh, They might say it's better, you know, especially if you have a young family, you would say, why don't we, this, uh, why doesn't this catalyze us to move out into the countryside? And you commute those two days or three days of the week, um, and possibly even you know, uh, and and you know, undertake a longer commute. But the benefits for the family are are clearly manifold. This has potentially a very large impact on the real estate market. Number two, if people come into the office less, um, there may be stresses on the commercial real estate environment, where people say, "Do I really need a large office?" Um, would I not be better off with something smaller that's more affordable? And I have more of my workers telecommute, uh, for example. Uh, so that's that's just something on the work front. Um, on the day-to-day life front, um, the way we also shop will change because again, if we are if we have moved to a position where people can purchase more things online. I would have thought that one of the, again, residues that emerged from this crisis is people have become more self-sufficient from home. And so, and because you've been confined, more people are, I think, trafficking in the uh, e-retailing space versus going to a shop, which of course, again, has this impact on commercial real estate and people who have, um, uh, you know, retail stores, which has been a trend that we've already seen. So, you know, these things, and and I guess the third one would be the way we travel. I mean, to be sure, um, 
you know, people have the ability for folks to um, travel, say on the weekend, to go on a flight to um, uh, for a weekend away, weekend breaks, as it were. Um, the friction that you experienced was uh, relatively light. I mean, you 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 were in the air. If you got your boarding pass, uh, you know, a couple hours before you get to the airport, an hour and a half before, you know, as long as you have just carry on luggage, you know, you you everything can be relatively um, not stress free, but they're not as stressful. I can imagine, much as we had after 9-11, you know, airports will feel an obligation um, to improve, if you will, the safety, this time health safety, for people to enter an airport, to enter a plane. Um, and this is going to create greater friction um, in terms of the travel experience. And this will, of course, affect you know, all sorts of different businesses, whether it's hoteliers, airlines. Um, um, think about the number of people who would otherwise rent a car. If there are fewer people traveling, this affects the rental car industry. Um, this, as you probably saw over the weekend, you know, Hertz is filing for bankruptcy in the States. Um, so I think the, the, will people still travel? Of course. Um, will there be more, will it be more of a hassle? Absolutely. Will that shape a little bit of your decision-making what you do? Most likely. Um, so I guess broadly the answer is yes, things will return to normal, but it will be a different normal. Do you think it also works for the state level? Let's put it that way. <clears throat> for example, I'm thinking about the, um, the countries, the let's say smaller geographically and uh, population-wise smaller countries that were relying on a certain type of um, economic model, like for example Dubai in the Emirates, or it could be uh, some countries in Africa. You know, the countries that rely heavily on tourism, or uh, or on real estate, or on some type of uh, specific attractions uh, and events. Um, because of the changes that you mentioned, these states will have to rethink maybe their models. What do they have to do now? What, what would you advise them to, to No, very about? much so. No, no, very good question. I think um, for sure. I mean, there has been, there will be a need for reassessment, um, uh, which is all, all uh, which is, uh, I would describe as healthy thing to do in any case. Uh, I would have imagined such countries will need to do, perform their own diagnostics um, and assessment about how they will be, how they will, uh, let's say, continue to advance and provide the goods and services um, for their people and how they can be economically relevant going forward. Uh, I would doubt many, um, because it, there was no need, but I doubt many will have um, ever considered the prospect of, um, let's say, fewer tourists, which, you know, those countries who are dependent upon tourism will now have to ask themselves, how will we, um, uh, you know, gain benefits from those uh, who are effectively countries that were capital importers, right? Uh, so they'll need to, you know, rediscover, if you will, uh, new modalities that can, in effect, step in in lieu of those lost revenues. Um, this will be a difficult uh, journey from them all because at the same time, it's not necessarily obvious uh, what that might be. 
an example I could give you is uh, during the time of um, the last global financial crisis, 2008, uh, you may be aware that Iceland, uh, which had largely been dependent upon uh, initially in the old days uh, fishing revenue, and then subsequently in revenue that they had uh, achieved through their uh, geo uh, geothermal uh, uh, energy. Um, during the global financial crisis, of course, then their benefits through uh, their uh, let's say exuberance in the banking industry, um, their fourth wave will have been tourism. Uh, Iceland uh, reformed itself and uh, mobilized itself uh, into a tourism, a tourist destination. Uh, while that may again uh, prove relevant going forward, you know, for a nation of 326 odd thousand citizens, um, you know, a change in the tourism flow will have a big impact on the country. So I could imagine them, again, doing another reassessment as to how they can stay relevant um, uh, as a member of the global uh, community and how they will be able to earn you know, ca uh, incoming cash flows uh, in, a, in any new environment going forward. Uh, I would have thought the same would apply uh, anywhere, um, whether you are a very large nation or a smaller independent um, uh, or a smaller nation who is dependent on, uh, let's just say, capital inflows. We see today that it seems like for, not for each, but for a lot of nations, for a lot of, for a lot of states, the, the initial response of uh, covering these holes in, um, in, 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 in revenues comes through debt. And uh, we see that even the European Union had to temporarily cancel their their deficit guidelines. Uh, what do you, doesn't doesn't it make you doesn't doesn't don't you worry uh, about the new kind of debt uh, problem that arises, or you think it's the only right thing to do now? Well, it's um, good. That's also a very good, interesting question. Um, Let's go backwards on the way you asked. Is it a uh, is it the right thing? I, I'm not sure there's anything that can that um, I'm not sure there wasn't any other response. I mean, the fact is is that if governments hadn't stepped in to the to the breach and effectively bankrolled um, the uh, the uh, their own economies, um, for sure the uh, repercussions would be uh, vastly different than what we have today. Uh, in effect, governments have uh, stepped into um, the private sector by uh, effectively funding all the cash flows, and the funding of cash flows has been via debt, as you say. What does that mean? Uh, I would describe this as, uh, as waking up from a hangover with a hangover, recognizing that the costs are vast. Um, we will have um, uh, wider deficits, uh, for sure. We'll have a greater stock of debt. That's absolutely the case. And how that will be addressed going forward when the revenue components are only two, which is sale of assets, which many countries um, have have privatized, uh, you know, have uh, privatized their own um, asset base in the past, so don't have that much in the way of sales available. Uh, and two, of course, taxes. And I think realistically, um, taxes in various components will go up. How that will be manifested depends on each country and and what systems. But it would be unreasonable to think that taxes will not go up for. Uh, 
both corporates and uh, the private sector. The other component is you can reduce spending. But spending cuts would be difficult now. I mean, whereas the response uh, after the global financial crisis was austerity, you're not hearing the word austerity. You're hearing quite the opposite. Um, it, it is not whatever it takes. It's anything it takes. The governments are willing to bankroll at the moment. How that will be funded, uh, how that will be absorbed, I think I remi- I'm reminded that the IMF uses in their debt sustainability analysis. Originally, it was designed around the stock of debt, that is the total amount of debt, but they subsequently have moved that model to incorporate a greater emphasis on the flow of debt, that is the affordability to afford, the affordability of the interest rate. And that is something that can be uh, sustained for very long periods of time. Um, but of course, it's predependent on there being relatively low rates to refinance. And this is where central banks come in. Um, their, uh, if you will, ability in their rate setting component to drive rates down has made the, the affordability of governments to issue a large amounts of debt possible. So we could be looking at uh, a sustained period of low rates, large amounts of debt that gets refinanced, um, higher taxes, still wide deficits, um, still large amounts of debt, but presumably over time as, the, uh, as economies recover, uh, these debts will eventually get paid down. Uh, and what is your take on, let's say, the technological side of all this, because there is a big difference between the pandemics that now journalists like to make reference to, like the uh, Hong Kong flu or the Spanish flu in the beginning of the century. Uh, They didn't have any, all of these technologies, automation, big data, artificial intelligence. Do you think it's an important component now? Do you think it's something important for businesses and states to think about? Is it one of the new investments, let's say, decision-making uh, tools? Is it maybe a, a, a direction of thought for, or, or it's uh, something that's marginal compared to economical and political and societal uh, phenomenon? Well, technology, I think, um, will be, is, is by far and away the most important area uh, for change at this point. I mean, the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, we've exercised technology just to be able to work from home uh, to a degree that most people didn't expect um, and nor uh, really understood the benefit that it can bring. I would have imagined that technology, in fact, will be the accelerant for many, and it was distinguish one, the, the recovery of one country vis-a-vis another. Uh, that is the, ad- the adoption of technology by not just government um, or the commercial sector, but also the private sector. Um, it has, and it is, as I described, it's an enabler um, for uh, folks to be able to get on with their their lives and their business in ways that were unimaginable previously. Um, I think that we will see even more of this going forward. I mean, for example, um, for better or for worse, you can envision a a time where, um, you, you know, COVID-19 um, is, uh, is a disease that, that um, is a virus that affects uh, humans, but it doesn't affect robots. So 
um, you can imagine that if a business were to run, you can imagine them saying this will, should accelerate my uh, greater dependency on new technologies to um, uh, keep my lines of business open. Um, I can imagine um, the use of health tech, uh, for example, for assessments at home that, that um, uh, removes the need to go to the hospital initially. In other words, it takes the burden off the A, uh, A&E centers um, at the first original point of call. I think in many ways, um, technology can be a huge benefit for those. But remember, technology is agnostic. It, doesn't, it, it has um, no particular bias per se. It's a tool. And how that tool is applied by uh, one country, one company, one person varies. But it would seem to me that the um, embra embracing those technologies that can be perhaps part of a government response to this uh, virus could be uh, a means, if you will, or a contributing means for a faster recovery and a faster transformation um, as part of their larger, if you will, blueprint of how they will be transforming their economies going forward. Very interesting. But just to summarize and wrap it up a bit, uh, do you can you give some kind of generic advice for people who are take who are in front of uh, the need of taking important decisions, be it for a large company or their own family, for example, or a state, or you think there is everything must be contextualized today? Do you, do you have a generic advice, or or you think it's too dangerous to give generic advice at this stage? Yeah, I, I'm less inclined to give generic advice so much as this is. Um, proven a time in many ways and on many different levels, uh, a period for, uh, uh, for reflection, um, whether it's uh, on, on, on one's own life uh, or in a commercial context of your own company. And that reflection ought to be in the context of, so if we assume that life will not return to exactly the way it was before, how will the contours of uh, the economies going forward uh, likely um, uh, emerge? And how will I or my company um, be able to navigate successfully going forward and be, and be better placed? There, I believe technology will play a role. For governments, similarly, I would have imagined that in their response to, for example, um, the need for uh, more uh, resilient healthcare systems, they will look to explore the you know ways by which they could better um, uh, be prepared with the uh, monies that they will invest in uh, their healthcare system. How do they how do they maximize that value uh, to be able to um, be prepared for eventualities that are very difficult to imagine today? I would have thought, again, the application of, uh, you know, the let's call it the digitization of healthcare to grow um, uh, dramatically. I mean, one example could be that, um, as you know, doctors spend a great deal of time doing administrative work in, in a given hour. But if you ask doctors, what do they really want? They want to be doctors. They want to uh, assess patients, uh, develop prognosis and a prescription for them. Um, 
if in a given hour, every incremental minute of their time is removed from the administrative uh, burden that they have, that's a good thing because that means the availability of a qualified um, you know, medical practitioner is available to apply themselves to what they actually want to do. Um, so what does that mean in practice? I can imagine where, again, technology will step into the breach on matters pertaining to administrative uh, or repetitive uh, work, uh, like filling out forms that are necessary um, for a patient. That would mean calling up records, uh, filling out forms faster, much in the same way we have apps that fill out data for us. Um, I could imagine governments, in fact, being more uh, supportive of these things because it stretches their incremental dollar to provide greater service. So I think that's where we may see um, governments spend time as they again uh, assess and reassess um, where they can deploy uh, the funds and capital that they're raising in this environment to better protect their society going forward. That's super interesting. Thanks a lot, Ben, and uh, thank you. Thank you for participating. Not at all. <laughs>